We're going to talk today about tonight about the tribulation. Could you turn that dial? There you go. Perfect. Thank you. Tonight we're talking about the tribulation. Before Pastor went on his vacation, he was out sick, had COVID a little bit for a little while. I had the opportunity to come and do a few lessons in the Wednesday night prayer meeting, and I did the lesson on the on the rapture, the different rapture theories, and we focused really on the pre-tribulational rapture. And I didn't talk much about what happens during the tribulation. And I mentioned a few weeks ago that if I was given the opportunity, I'd go over some of that. I don't believe I'll have enough time to cover everything in the lesson, but hopefully we'll do a little bit now, maybe a little bit in the future. And just to give you a recap, for those of you that may have missed, we talked about the three different rapture theories that are out there. There's actually four, but three common ones. The pre-tribulational rapture theory, the mid-tribulational rapture theory, and then the post-tribulation rapture theory. And we went over why we believe in the pre-tribulational rapture while that Christ is going to come and gather the church before the tribulation happens. In summary, has to do with the literal interpretation of Scripture. We believe that the Bible says what it means and means what it says, unless it gives reason for uh, otherwise. And it states, as we're going to look at some things tonight, and I'll give you a couple examples of that, but we believe it means what it says. The other views, they like to flip-flop back and forth between we believe literal on this and we believe figurative on this. When the text gives no, no uh, description as to why that would be. And they just kind of pick and choose. And so that's one of the reasons, of course, many verses about God not wanting us to suffer the wrath to come would be another one. The third one would be the tribulation picks up on the 70th week of Daniel, picks up with God's program with Israel. The church is off the scene after, I believe, the third chapter of Revelation. Third chapter of Revelation, the church isn't really even mentioned, I think, until the 20th, I believe, the 20th chapter. That'd be another indication why that would happen. Again, he focuses on his plan with Israel. Everything that is dealt with there is dealt with the nation of Israel. And the purpose of the tribulation is to, is to prepare the nation of Israel for the coming of Christ and also to try the men that dwell on the earth. And the church just doesn't seem to be a part of that. And sure, yes, there are people that are saved. There are people that uh, believe other than what the beast is promoting. There is some of that. But uh, in essence, those are just a few very quick reasons. I think we had about 20, 20 or so different reasons why we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture theory and some great books on that as well. We have some great resources in the library that do a way better in-depth explanation than I can do and I can guide you to those at a later time if you would like. And so here we are today at the tribulation. We're going to look a little bit about what it entails in the previous lessons before. I did mention a little bit about the nature of the tribulation, that it is overcome with trouble, with trouble and wrath, God's wrath being poured out. Jesus said about the tribulation, he says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world till this time, no, nor ever shall be. The tribulation is going to be a unique time period in history. As Jesus stated, there's nothing that's going to even be close to it in the existence of the earth or what we have seen. In the Great Tribulation, it'll be a time of trouble that is unique, of course, to the history of the world, as I said. He says here that 
in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. There, in those two different passages of Scripture, we see he both talks about tribulation. He refers to the first one as the great tribulation, but he also talks about, we would say, normal tribulation. There's a difference between the, the great tribulation that is going to be coming and the tribulation that we face today. America has been very blessed by God, I believe because of the, the years and years and its founding, how they respected God and they respected the word of God and tried to, for the most part, uh, pattern our government after the principles found in scripture. And we've deterred from that over the years for sure. You say, why does God not just wipe America off the face of the map? We think that sometimes. What in the world is holding it back? You look even at through the nation of Israel. This is a side note. You look through the, the history of Israel when they would disobey God. God let significant time go by on many instances before he dropped the hammer on him. Why? I think God's merciful. I think he's giving people the opportunity that when push comes to shove and this whole thing shakes down at the end, nobody's going to point the finger at God and say, you didn't give me a fair chance. That if I would have just given a little more time, I would have come around and done what's right. God's very merciful. That's why I'm saved. That's why you're saved, because he's, he's merciful. His mercies are new every morning. And so that's the only explanation I can give for why he holds off on the wickedness. And we talked about uh, even abortions today. It's just, it's absolutely, it's absolutely insane. And so there's a difference between this great tribulation and the tribulation that we now have in the world. And there's trouble throughout history, especially since the time of Christ. You can see how the church of God has been persecuted, severely persecuted. Not long ago, I, I looked on the, not long ago, I was, I was looking through Facebook and scrolling down through there, and I would see video, video after video of things that I like and I enjoy, and I saw um, basketball videos and some, you know, comedy, some funny things, some interesting, you know, prank videos and different things. And then I was scrolling down and I saw a, a video, somebody had shared it, and it was somewhere over in Africa where they were these, a few villagers were being persecuted because of their faith and they were putting these people, they didn't, they didn't show it all, but they were putting these people to death because they were believers. I would say that that's tribulation. That's some tribulation. And Jesus says, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. The bigger picture of the matter is he's got it in control. He knows what's happening. But that's tribulation. And there's hard times that people go through in life and the loss, even the loss of loved ones and of death. But Christ has overcome death. It's a wonderful thing. But the tribulation, that he's, this normal tribulation is not what he's referring to when he says that no such thing has come in the existence of this world as what's going to come in the tribulation. So again, as I, what makes it different from this normal tribulation? And so there's been horrific events that have happened throughout history. We even think of World War II and the rise of Hitler and millions and millions. I mean, just six million Jews alone, despite the other millions of people, that that's some big tribulation, but there is, there's two things that totally separate the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, from any other tribulation throughout history. And there's been people, even in the book, book of Thessalonians, 
those people believed that they were in the tribulation time because of the such intense persecution that they were facing. They thought that this must be the tribulation. And Paul says, no, 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 it's not. You're not in it. It's going to be much worse than what you think. And to look for the return of Christ, another reason why we believe in the rapture of the church. But, the care, of course, they didn't have the book of Revelation at that time to be able to look at it, and we do. And so there's two characteristics that distinguish this tribulation from all the other hard times that the world has ever seen. The first one is that the tribulation will be worldwide, worldwide. I hate my black and white slides, by the way. I'm going to tell you that. Black, white, and yellow. I hate it. But it's, it, on the live stream, when the camera picks it up, it picks up a little bit better. So I'm not being lazy on you. We're trying to adjust it so people can, I like a little bit more pizzazz, but we'll deal with it. And so, anyways, but the, the tribulation is going to be worldwide, not just isolated incidents. Revelation 3.10 says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world. The whole world, there it is, to try them that dwell on the earth. There again, one of the purposes of the tribulation We've had terrible earthquakes in this world. We've had horrible tsunamis over in the Philippines, many of the islands that are over there. I'm sure Indonesia, you name it. Horrible tsunamis. Cataclysmic events. We've had tornadoes tear up the Midwest. We've had hurricanes come through and decimate Florida and Louisiana. But those are isolated incidences by, by far. And so when these tribulation, the great tribulation comes, the seven-year tribulation, it's going to be overwhelmingly the entire world is going to be part of it, not just isolated incident. And secondly, the tribulation, it's going to be unique because of the way humans behave. They are going to behave differently. Revelation 6.16 says, and said, this is the people crying out during the tribulation, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. When the great tribulation comes, men are going to act as if the world is coming to an end. And people today, they talk about the end of the world, but they are not behaving as if they believe it. That's the difference between the seven-year tribulation and the troubles that we face now. During the tribulation, there's going to be people who are, you see there, they're going to be wishing to die, that the rocks would fall, fall upon them, and would kill them. We hear a lot today in the news, and even in the movies, there's been movies who've, who've, that have come out, they use the term like Armageddon, and we see, I think 2012, there was a, a movie, maybe some of you had, had seen some of that, about some cataclysmic events, and the end of the world comes, and horrible na natural disasters and, of course, there's so many movies and talks and books about disease taking over and the UV rays from the sun coming and burning us all, you name it. There's all that. And even there's scientists out there that are predicting that the world is going to end. And we know because of the curse of sin, the earth is winding down. It's not getting better. It'll get a little bit better when the millennial reign of Christ starts. It'll get a little bit better, but it's not going to be back to what it was. But this whole thing's winding down. We got the Green New Deal that's getting pushed out there. Crazy, absolutely crazy. And some of the things that they're afraid of happening are actually going to happen when the tribulation comes. And I'm sure that's going to be, if I had any guess about what the lie is going to be, it may be 
something, something along that nature. Revelation 16.9 says that in those days men shall seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. There's going to be people during the tribulation that want to die. They want to commit suicide because it is so bad, but God is not going to allow it to happen. I, do I know how that's going to work? Do I know about a guy, if he decides to jump off a building, how he's going to survive? I don't know, but I, I believe what the Bible says, and somehow they're not going to be able to find death. So the uniqueness of the tribulation lies that it's worldwide and that men are going to be in terror all over the world. By the way, some of these things, let me put a little preface here on the tribulation. I, I hope you're cautious as I am cautious about about some unbelievers and new believers and getting all into sometimes the nitty-gritty that's found in the book of Revelation. Sometimes people aren't quite ready for every little detail that's in there. And so if you're sitting here tonight and you are not very familiar with the Bible, please don't just look at us like we're like crazy people. And you may think that a little bit, but the Bible's pretty clear on some of these issues. And I think as you grow in your faith and you study the Word of God more and more, that God will open your eyes a little bit about on some of these topics, I hope. And please just don't be scared off about the different things. And I've, anyways, I've seen some people try to talk to folks who are new believers and talk about, as we're going to look at, locusts coming up out of the abyss and the earth splitting open and a dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And they're like, I'm like, that's not the time. This is not the time. Uh, they need to know, uh, how about you get baptized? How about you get baptized? That's more of what they're, so we'll just leave that there. So the tribulation, it begins directly or shortly after the rapture of the church. The actual beginning of the tribulation starts with the covenant with Israel. And this event marks the start of the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. How long after the rapture is the is it going to take for the actual first judgment of the tribulation to start? The Bible isn't totally clear. It doesn't say one way or another. I mean, I assume, I mean, when you think back through Jesus' ascension versus in Acts chapter 2, when the coming of the Holy Spirit, you know, there was a little bit of time there. I don't know. Uh, I assume it's going to happen very soon after it, and a little bit of a, um, an, a, an assumption in, in that regard there. Let's see what we got next. When the 70th week begins, God turns his attention back to his people. We see that in Daniel 9.24. As I mentioned in the previous lessons, this God's plan with Israel took a halt at the 69th week. You can go back in Daniel and study all that if you wish. And this age of grace that we are in, the church age, was a mystery. It was a mystery to the Jews in that time, and Paul writes about that and says that they didn't even see it coming. And when the tribulation starts, it picks up that last 70th week. Again, the 69 weeks before that dealt specifically with Israel, with the Jews. Why would we pick up on the 70th week as well, and why would, it, why would the church be involved in that if we weren't involved with the first 69 weeks? So a little bit of things there as well. So the judgments of the tribulation, Revelation 6 through 19, chapter 6 through 19, talks about the tribulation in detail. The three series of judgments that are going to happen are the opening of the seals, 
we have the blowing of the seven trumpets, we have the pouring out of the seven bowls. Sometimes people refer to that as the vials. And the angels, they're the ones that are mentioned throughout the book, that they are the one distributing and taking care of these different judgments as they happen. And they're the ones pouring out the seals and uh, opening the seals, I should say, blowing the trumpets and uh, pouring out the bowl judgments. And so we're going to look through here. Oh, I got them right here. Perfect. Okay, the seven seals, we'll look at, we're going to look at each one of the judgments and what they entail. And by the way, before I, before I get into this, I got one thing. Before we get into this, I got one thing I meant to say, but I didn't say. And so we have talked a little bit about the pre-tribulational rapture. We use the word theory. If you read almost any commentator out there, they would say theory as well. And we've talked a little bit about that there's evidence for all three, the pre-trib, the mid-trib, the post-trib, but that the most evidence that's out there, I mean, a big heaping pile of evidence lies with the pre-tribulational rapture theory view, that Christ is going to come before the tribulation. However, there's some people that say, well, it may happen in it may happen in the you know, in the middle or at the end of the tribulation. I had one person tell me this. They said a very intelligent person, somebody who'd been to school, been in studying their Bible their whole life. I would even say a great man of the faith told me, I tell people, this was his honest, I think this was, was a horrible answer. He says, I tell people, I always push for the post-tribulational view. That way, people are, are, the church body would be prepared to go through the tribulation. If God chooses to take them out, he'll take them out. So he pushes people to that view so that they would be prepared for the tribulation. How about this? If my life or your life would be any different during the tribulation, shame on us. Do you understand what I'm saying? We should live no differently right now than we were during the tribulation. I hope you're prepared for hard times, regardless of what persecution that we face. No matter what natural disasters we may face, we got to keep our foot on the pedal the whole time. And so that whole philosophy and thinking, I just think, is, is, uh, is totally, totally, totally fault, faulty uh, by any means. So anyways, the seven seals here. We got the moment. There is a moment of peace upon the earth, Revelation 6, 2 says, And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. It starts with peace. There's some conquest that happens as well. Nations of the earth, I believe, are going to be conquered. Some nations, I think, that have been putting up a fight and causing problems are going to be subdued, and there is going to be the there's going to be so-called peace upon the earth. There's going to be a whole lot of talk about peace. And I believe people are actually even going to be celebrating that there is peace upon the earth, that there is not fighting, there's not wars that are taking place, that it is generally peaceful. But the peace is very short-lived, and we see the second one, that there's a removal of peace from the earth and wars that engulf the earth. It says, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beasts say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And, and there was given unto him a great sword. So there's wars that are going to be taking place, and there's going to be a lot of people who die. Probably the symbolization uh, between the red horse, red being blood, we just assume, something to assume maybe. Uh, the, white uh, the white horse, you would think, 
yeah, maybe peace, but there's going to be war that engulfs the earth and many people are going to lose their lives. Thirdly, we see famine. And it says, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see and beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. The man that's riding the black horse in his hand, it says a pair of balances that has to do with uh, a measuring scale, it seems, it seems like. And there is a massive famine that happens. Uh, from one commentator that I read, they suggested that in Jesus' time, the amount, of, the amount of money that would have been, you know, how much you could get for a you know, measure of barley and whatnot, this is going to be reduced by a tenth is what they say. So essentially almost like a day's wages is what it's going to cost somebody to, to buy food. Food is going to be very scarce. I'm not sure if you're thankful for your food that you eat, but you should be. There's people all around the world that are looking for food right now that don't have it. There's children over in the Philippines rummaging through big garbage dumps probably right now looking for something to eat. And famine, to me, is one of the most horrible things out of anything. Slow, miserable, starving, uncomfortable. How about this? This is the biggest part. If I go without, without eating, that's one thing. But my, my two little boys, they go without eating. I mean, that's, that's horror. That is horror, watching the people that you love deteriorate before your eyes. I mean, this is, this is some horrible. It's not just, oh, famine. This is, this is serious problems where people are not going to have food, where people are going to turn to, I mean, even as horrible as, as I believe, eating one another. I mean, that, that's how bad it's going to be. And I underlined and, and highlighted here at the bottom here, and it says, and see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. It's almost as if it's kind of a rub in their face. The oil and the wines, though, that would be more of the, the delicacy, the delicacy that they had. and. While, they're, while they are starving to death, they're going to be prosperous, I believe, in other areas. Isn't that absolutely crazy? Hurt not the oil and the wine. And so there's definitely maybe technology, technology, fuel, possibly, you name it. All those amenities may be there, but they are going to be at a lack for food. And then we have here, we'll finish out with these, we'll finish out with the seven seals, and then we'll pick up later next time, Lord willing. There's going to be a death of fourth of the earth. Revelation 6, 7, 8 says, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with a sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. A pale horse. You ever heard of the movie Pale Rider? Clint Eastwood. This is that was a symbolization to this verse right here. And he was actually the only horse that's been given a name, the rider, and it is death. And the death that comes forth to a, a fourth part of the earth, that's a lot of people, by the way. That is a lot of people. Is a variety of different ways you can see in the last sentence or so. And to kill with a sword, 
I'm sure that that is war. I'm sure that that comes as well with people robbing one another, violence, I mean, even rape, you name it, you name it. With hunger, as we already talked about, so that, inc- that still carries over, that there's some sort of famine as well. And of course, with death and with the beast of the earth, there's not animals just out attacking us right now when we go outside. Maybe you walk down in some area, you may, get a, may cross the path of a panther. I saw a video about four years ago over on the Corkscrew Swamp Sanctuary where there was a panther walking. Maybe you saw it. It was all over the news and everything. A panther was walking right along the, the wooden bridge that was there in the sanctuary. And it walked and it, they both, whoever was there, met face to face with this thing. And, and the panther turned around and was scared and took off and ran the other way. Even though the panther could have just annihilated whoever was there. It's big claws and sharp jaws and it's essentially a mountain lion. Pretty much the same thing. And so, But right now there's kind of that fear from humans to animals. But when this fourth seal is, is opened, there's some of that that gets taken away and it's as if there's animals that are outright openly attacking human beings and many people are going to die because of it. Snakes, ooh, they'll get you. I'm glad I won't be here. Five, we have believers are persecuted and martyred for their faith. And we have Revelation 6, 9 through 11. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw unto the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, these souls that were under the altar. They said, how long, O Lord? Holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. It gives us a glimpse as well into the fact that Somehow or another, we have Hebrews chapter 12, which has to do with the great cloud of witnesses that are gathered around us. And of course, here in Revelation chapter 6, it gives us the idea that the, the folks that have died, that they still have some, they have some knowledge of what's going on on the earth because they, they understood that God hadn't judged them. At least they have some idea about what's going on, whether or not they can see it. I'm not exactly sure, but... Maybe gives you a little comfort there. I think so. And these people were martyred and slain during the tribulation period, no doubt by the beast, by the false prophet, and that whole environment there. And it's going to be an intense time for believers. You say, well, I thought believers were not here. I thought we were all raptured out. Yes, but there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to be fooled about what happened. And there's going to be a massive amount of people that are saved during the time of the tribulation. Although it is not the church age, the age of grace. By the way, it's always been about grace. I've told you that before. It's true. It's always been about grace from Genesis all the way here to Revelation. And there are going to be a massive amount of people who are saved, but there's also going to be a lot of believers who are martyred for their faith as well. And they are going to be looking to God to avenge their blood. And he's going to give them white robes and God's going to say, it'll happen, but more of your brethren in Christ are going to be killed first. And then 
will make all wrongs right. And then we have number six here, the universal. There is universal havoc. Again, it's worldwide. A great earthquake. The sun is going to be darkened. The moon is going to be red like blood. There's going to be a meteor shower. Heaven will be open, and every mountain and island will be moved. It says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. The verse I read to you towards the beginning of the lesson when I talked about the uniqueness of the tribulation and how men and were going to be calling for rocks to fall upon themselves and that they would hide the face of God from them. It's right after, I believe that's verse 19 of this chapter right here. So these horrible, horrific events are going to be taking place. People are going to be dying. There's going to be worldwide earthquake. The sun's going to be darkened. I don't think it's going to burn out. I just think it's not going to shine, whatever that means. And similar probably to the plagues of Egypt, the moon is going to be red like blood, meteor shower. So I'm sure there's going to be meteors. I'm not sure if you've ever seen pictures on the internet of meteors coming around and wreaking destruction upon the earth and the great cataclysmic kind of event that looks like it takes place. And there's going to be a lot of that, I believe, going on as well, as we see here in this verse. And then it says that in the bottom part of that, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And we see there, maybe one way or another, the, the heaven is kind of opened up and they get a glimpse inside heaven because they were trying to hide their face from God. Not exactly sure, but I would say that's what a few commentators thought as well and some interesting things. And then we have seven. Seven is not so bad. There's silence in heaven. Not so bad. But the seventh seal, the seventh uh, seal judgment immediately starts the first trumpet judgment that takes place. And so there was silence. When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about the space of half an hour. So hopefully that helps you a little bit in the tribulation. We'll pick up with the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments maybe next time. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the motive and the game plan that the beast and the false prophet have during the whole tribulation as well. And so hopefully you can look forward to that and we'll pray, and then we will go over a few of our prayer requests and break up for prayer time. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to go over some of these things this evening and help us to understand and give us insight into Scripture. Help us not to read more, read more into it than what is there, but give us wisdom in that area and help us as we try to share the gospel with others so they can escape the wrath that is to come. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.